You're listening to Utah Lake Facts, Fiction, and Fun, a Utah Lake Commission podcast. Hello, and welcome back to the Utah Lake Facts, Fiction, and Fun podcast. My name is Sam Brager, Programs Manager for the Utah Lake Authority, and in today's episode, we are continuing our uh, series of sharing uh, audio of the presentations from the recent uh, Utah Division of Forestry, Fire, and State Lands Science Policy and Management Summit that they held at UVU back in October. Uh, and today's presentation that you're going to be listening into is done by Teresa Wilhelmson, which she is the state engineer, um, also titled as the Director of the Division of Water Rights. So Division of Water Rights is a division under Department of Natural Resources, and they're the division that manage, you know, lo and behold, <laughs> water rights, uh, as is in the name. So water rights at Utah Lake is a can be a confusing topic. I know for me coming on uh, to the commission and even since there there's a lot to do with it and I'm not surprised that there's an entire state division dedicated to this topic here in the state. So she goes into some great detail, and uh, you'll definitely have to check out the link to the YouTube video in the show notes to look at her slides too. But she goes into great detail explaining how water rights function in Utah Lake and how Utah Lake is managed for its water rights. And this is a question we get a lot from people about downstream uses and the cities around the lake and how that water is being used and what can be done with it. Um, so she's a, a great educational information session on, I would say it's about uh, 15 minutes or so, um, where you can learn just a little bit more, kind of a snapshot on how this all works and understand some of the basics. So listen in and I hope you enjoy. I'll just um, start talking. So <clears throat> so my name's Teresa Wilhelmson. I don't recognize a whole lot of faces, um, just a handful of them actually. Um, I did spend about 10 years working in um, our Utah Lake, um, Jordan River regional office as a regional engineer. Um, but I am the Utah State Engineer and the Director of the Division of Water Rights. And so what I am going to walk you through is um, how we manage the water um, for this lake and its tributaries and a little bit of the complexity that you're going to see that we do. So. Let me just first talk about, um, so the, the first water rights were established in the Morse Decree back in 1901, and Utah Lake was really a storage reservoir for rights within Salt Lake Valley. And there are five primary rights um, canals that come out of um, the Jordan River just below Utah Lake, and um, they are diverted at the Turner Dam, and at the Joint Dam is the main diversions below Utah Lake. So we manage these rights within Utah Lake to ensure that the primary rights that are in Salt Lake Valley are met. Um, there is also another responsibility of the state engineer, and that's flooding and flood control. Um, there has been, and many of you that are familiar with the lake know there's a compromise level to the lake. Um, there's a little bit of history here that um, the Turner Dam, it did result in some flooding in Utah County in that operation. But as state engineer, we also have to, um, I have to manage that compromise level, but also flooding down the Jordan River, uh, mainly at what's called the surplus canal. And we have to make sure that we aren't flooding um, with releases from Utah Lake, the lower parts of the Jordan River. So there's a balance there that we have to really manage. 
um, kind of moving on, one of the big management tools that the state engineer has with the Utah Lake, with Utah Lake, is what's called the Utah Lake Distribution Management Plan. This was established through a public process, public meetings, public input, and it came about in 1992. And it really established the protocols for Utah Lake and how the junior upstream rights interact with the the senior rights that are in Utah Lake. And I'm going to get into some of those details of how we manage those. Um, the last little piece on this slide that I want to mention is how we manage groundwater with the surface water of these systems. So we did partner with the USGS, the um, United States Geological Survey. We do have a groundwater model for this basin, and it's a pretty good one. Um, we use it to help us manage what impacts there can be. I don't think I did that. Brian, did you do that? <laughs> Anyway, um, so we use that model to help understand what groundwater impacts are. We did in 2014 um, adopt a state engineer's um, policy for water rights that we um, do allow shares of stock in these five primary canals to file change applications and move them into groundwater for groundwater wells. And a lot of the cities in this valley did that exact thing for their water. In northern um, part of the valley, we actually um, do not allow surface to go to groundwater anymore because of the impacts and the safe yield of the aquifer. So we're managing that groundwater and surface water. Let me talk a bit about the Provo River um, and some of the complexities here. So the, compl the Provo River was decreed in 1921 and there's two divisions to this Provo River. You have the Wasatch Division and the Provo Division. The decree is basically structured so that up in the Wasatch Division, they can divert large amounts of water. And the whole intent was to do some underground storage. So they would put it, put the water out on the land. It would seep into the ground and return to the river later in the season to satisfy the primary rights in the Provo Division. So it would come back to the river and satisfy those rights. A little bit later on this slide, I'm going to tell you how that is managed by man now. It's not a natural occurrence anymore. Um, so the Provo Decree or the Provo Project was developed in 1935, and that's when you saw Deer Creek in 1938, the Weber Provo Canal. That is a trans-basin diversion that brings water from the Weber River system over to the Provo, and it's used in the, in the Provo River. You also have the Duchesne Tunnel that was um, established in 1948. That brings water from the Colorado River system over to this basin, and that is called import water, um, and the importer of that water can use it to extinction when they bring it into a basin. Um, there is established law that allows for that. This project is oper operated by Provo River Water Users Association. So then you see the Central Utah Project come about, um, the Bonneville Unit, and that's where Jornell comes into play. Um, this Wasatch, the Wasatch County Water Efficiency Project that's listed there, that is the project that now mimics 
they store the water in Jordanelle, and instead of the Wasatch Division spreading that water across the ground and it coming back to the river later, they actually do controlled releases from Jordanelle to mimic that timing and those releases. So that's called the WICWET project. Um, and this is operated by Central Utah Water Conservancy District. So some of the other fun elements of this, um, you'll notice that's in purple. Um, those are actually purple ex they're paper exchange applications. So that management plan that I talked about um, allows for upstream storage to occur in Deer Creek and, and um, Jordanelle. And if the senior rights in Utah Lake are satisfied, then that storage can convert so that it becomes um, primary storage upstream for those users that have later rights. So really ma us managing the levels of Utah Lake, what water is coming into there allows then storage um, to convert. And I'm just going to point out, um, there's also another import um, water, it's the Ontario Drain Tunnel. And that comes over from Park City into this area. There's actually, it's kind of a unique, um, you have to get a Warren Act approval to store a non-federal right in a federal storage facility, and the Ontario does have that to store in Deer Creek. Um, but I'm going to point out kind of an interesting piece here. The Olmstead Power Plant, do you see that? That's probably, I would say, the most expensive water right in the state of Utah. $42 million for that water right. What that key piece did was that Olmstead plant has the senior right on it. So when they did the, Deer, the Jordanelle and Deer Creek, they do an exchange and they rebuilt that plant for $42 million to keep that priority date on the system so that they can store up, upstream and convert. So um, they still use that plant and I'm just going to put a plug in for that plant. If you haven't been there and done a historic tour, it's fabulous. Um, the, the history of that plant is amazing. There's actually a really good book about it, but one of my favorites. Okay, let me talk about the Spanish Fork here. Um, we also manage the um, flows from the Spanish Fork River and Hobble Creek systems. Um, so you see that there, the High Council decree in 1879, so you see some of the older rights on the Spanish Fork here. Um, they have the five, five main canals that divert. You see that's below the mouth of the canyon. Um, they did, the decree did not recognize the rights above that. So those have come in later. Um, the McCarty decree, that recognized a... Um, basically classes on that system that we distribute um, those rights for um, first, second, and third class. Um, and then you see the Strawberry Valley Project come into play in 1905. Um, this is another large-scale transbasin diversion from the Colorado River that brings water through the stored in Strawberry Reservoir, comes through the Strawberry Tunnel into Diamond Fork and into the Spanish Fork River. And then it eventually also makes its way to Salt Lake Valley um, with this system. And so there is a pipeline that takes it from the Spanish Fork over to the Provo. 
Um, let me talk a little bit about how we do the accounting on the systems. Um, so with Utah Lake um, distribution accounting, we actually have five separate distribution systems on in this area, the Lower Jordan, Provo, Hobble, Hobble Creek, Spanish Fork, and Utah Lake. Um, we have a commissioner on each of those and deputy commissioners. Those are employees of the state engineer that are out on the systems, turning the, turning the water into the ditches and um, tracking the amount of water that gets diverted under what water rates. Um, we've developed what's called a water commissioner accounting tool. We call it WCAP. And this is a distribution accounting tool that we, if we have telemetry automated um, data that we can collect on uh, diversion sites, it can pull it right into these, um, this distribution accounting tool. Now this distribution accounting tool isn't a forecasting tool. It's a, a tool that we look back a day and say, okay, who got what water where? And then we're able to manage for the next day and then the next day and we look back so we we have records um that go back to 125 years that show what rights have been diverted but this is a more modern tool that we use we develop it i know that there was a bill um last year that was passed um that allows us to do more of these distribution accounting tools and gives us some funding to do telemetry and measuring to make these more accurate um most of you, when you see Great or see Great Salt Lake, that too. Um, when you see Utah Lake, you probably just see one level. When we look at it, we actually see a teacup that has colored um, layers in it. That helps us manage the water accounts that are within Utah Lake and who has what water rights within the lake. And this is just a sample of that teacup that comes out of our um, water accounting tool. And we just manage um, who gets what deliveries, who doesn't, and who does um, each year. And maybe I'll just mention in talking about this accounting tool, um, where we ended with Utah Lake this year. And I know Brian mentioned, you know, the effects that um, climate is having, temperature is having. Um, there in this distribution plan, we have primary rights those five canals, and then we have secondary rights. We actually, for the second time, had to cut secondary rights in Utah Lake. Now, the lake looked full because there's import water that has come in from the Colorado River system and the Weber system. So that is a different color that is not part of that secondary and primary rights. So secondary rights did get cut off this year. Um, we had to cut those off, which were... Just as an example, some Kennecott rights, um, Saratoga Springs rights for their secondary systems. Um, the primary rights, they didn't take a cut, but they did have to reduce because their, their volumes were also, um, very close to being extinguished this year. So very different. I th and I can only remember two times that we've cut secondary rights on Utah Lake. So things are changing. Um, but I think the institutional and the historical systems that have been built have really helped make this system work um, the way that it does. Um, oh, I think I skipped one little bullet. Can I go back? Um, 
yeah, so I need to talk just a couple couple quick little bullets here. Let's see how much time I have. I do have time. Um, let me talk about that import water. Um, those are the amounts of import water that come into the system. It's about a, a over 100,000 100, acre feet that come in from the um, Duchesne, the Provo River Project, the Siler Tunnel, and Strawberry Tunnel. And the strawberry return flows. I want to just mention that just a little bit. Um, the, in 2006, the Supreme Court um, did basically direct the state engineer to determine if a calculation method is done to determine what is the import water that is sitting in Utah Lake that can be exchanged up into Deer Creek and Jordanelle. So when I showed those purple lines that were not actual water courses, those are, this is a foundation that helps determine what water um, that's been stored out of priority upstream can be converted out of Utah Lake. And this is a key um, court decision that gave us that guidance. So, so I think I'm about out of my 15 minutes. There's two other people that are going to come up here, but um, I just wanted to say thank you. And there's my exit music, I think. <laughs> So thank you. Any questions that you have on the operation of Utah Lake, please feel free to, to reach out. Hopefully this, I know it was a lot of information, really condensed, but um, hopefully you can kind of see the complexity of the decisions that we make every day in the state engineer's office with the movement of water. So thank you. Well, we hope you enjoyed that. Um, I know that uh, water rights can be a confusing topic, and hopefully that provides some clarity. If you have additional questions, um, she's a great resource. Um, it, she actually has her contact info in the, the YouTube recording there. It's just her name, Teresa Wilhelmson at utah.gov, or you can look up the Division of Water Rights. You can always feel free to uh, email them with a question, or you can reach out to us at info at utahlake.org with any questions in regards to water rights, and we can help get answers from uh, the division or from Teresa. So thanks so much for listening listening in. Make sure you tune in next week for one of our next episodes from the Science Policy and Management Summit. And uh, we uh, hope you are sharing the word with everyone and helping them learn about the Utah Lake Facts, Fiction, and Fun podcast. Thanks so much. And we'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to Utah Lake Facts, Fiction, and Fun. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to subscribe so that you can receive notifications each time an episode comes out on Thursday mornings. And if there's something in here that you feel you can share, please post the link online, share with your friends so that everyone else can also learn about the facts, fiction, and fun to do with Utah Lake.